0: Once again, we gather, we get together to uh, ring out more gold from the minutiae of this great game of ours. Welcome to Swing Thoughts. My name's Howard, golf spiritual leader, humble and Fred show that uh, that guy, Tim O'Connor. He's an angel. He's a coach. He's a spiritual guide. He's a friend. He's a, a friend in, in need And indeed He's a friend indeed <laughs> But I think I'm alive He is a but good if, man
1: if I'm an angel in the metaphor we'll That's
0: say. right You're an angel sent from golf heaven And uh, as always this program is baked fresh And uh, we're certainly uh, grateful to the uh, help of dot uh, TailormadeGolf.ca. TaylorMade you know, treat yourself Fall's coming, maybe you're going to go away for the winter pick up some uh, new clubs. I played with somebody the other day that was, uh, they were using the Stealth Irons and um, you know, TaylorMade makes great products for all levels of golfers, but I don't know that we talk enough about the performance what do they call that? The, the Performance Enhancement? Yeah. Game Improvement. Game Improvement. Thank you. Hey, you're welcome. And um, he said, here, try this. And I had just hit my 790 7 iron. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, I don't need any game improvement equipment. I'm spiritual Howie. Anyway, spiritual Howie hit this uh, stealth iron, and I was like, wait a minute. I was like, what? It went far, and it was easy to hit. I don't know, Timmy. It was pretty good. Why, and Did you ask, so why aren't I using these? These are like cheating. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll just say this. They're really good. And if you've been thinking about a new set of irons, we've talked all summer about the carbon wood driver. By the way, the carbon, the um, the stealth also, someone pointed out to me the other day, because I, uh, I sort of necked one, and it went pretty good. And they said, oh, twist face. And I was like, oh, yeah. If you look on the face of the driver, It says carbon wood. And underneath, it still has twist face technology. Cool. Cool. I thought so.
1: Well, I was working with my client... Dennis yesterday and he was telling me about his stealth three wood. It's only tailor made club in his bag, but he says that he drives his opponents crazy because he'll put one in the woods with whatever crappy driver he's using. He'll pitch out and then he'll knock it two hundred and thirty yards on the green. Yeah. He says this thing is a weapon. He just never misses with his
0: stealth three wood. So Yeah, it's something else. Um all right, let's get to uh Another appearance by someone that I—I I don't know if he was on our very first show, but pretty close to it. And now, for the last seven years, we—when uh, we need a, a, an injection of sense with a sense of humor and a sense of the world—a guy that knows what he's talking about. He is a uh, a mental performance coach. He works with tour players from all over the world uh, as well as top level amateurs. Is a certified trainer of neuro-linguistic programming, and he is, uh, he's in the uh, Friend of Show Hall of Fame for sure. 100%. Oh, yeah. He's Paul Doolin. Look at that. Way you want to talk about a freaking angel. Look at the beautiful beatitude that is, that smiling face of joy. Look at you.
2: And well, well look at no less.
0: Yeah. Look at you in your office. This was
2: you. much easier when we couldn't see each other. We did it on the phone <laughs> the first right. time, I think. Can we go back to
0: that? (laughs) You know, it's funny because on the Humble and Fred show, every so often we'll get a guest. And it's not necessarily a woman, but it's happened on occasion where uh, people didn't want (laughs) to turn on their camera because we we streamed the show on Facebook. And they're like, no, it's a little too early for me. I don't need you to see what I look like at... 730 in the morning, but you always look the same. You always look happy. You're smiling. Your face beams. You have a, a sense about you that is calming. How are things in the uh, Doolin world there in Orlando, Florida?
2: Same as always. Um, I, I, I always laugh because, you know, we all ask that question of each other <clears throat> when we talk to people we haven't talked to in a while. And it's like nothing or just sort of Groundhog Day here the same thing over and over and over nothing uh nothing exciting to report just sort of steady right now um well let's get right to it like i
0: i mean you know we've all been talking to one another for a long time the first time i spoke to paul was on the phone the old-fashioned way uh prior to our first i think we did it on what do we used to use what was that platform zoom no
2: before oh, zoom. sorry sorry i'm um, yeah, skype,
0: skype. Yes. Tell me that this is not an old fact. Oh, do you want to Skype? I don't know. Let me get my Victrola. Let me <laughs> let me dial you up on my on my flip phone. We could do it by telegram. So, um, yeah, we spoke for. Uh, code. Yeah. 2014 is when we first started talking. And then when we started this show, Tim and I were both like, we, well, we got to get dueling on. But what well, you just said something. There's nothing new in your life, uh, which is good, I guess, sometimes, you know, sort of status quo. Here's a weird question. Is there anything new in your world in terms of technical knowledge? Like something you've read or something that you've like a breakthrough that you've had with golfers, maybe something you could say, you know what? I've been talking to my guys about this and, and uh, men and women that I work with. Here's some stuff that you might want to share with your audience. Do you have something like that?
2: It's funny you say that because I'm, we're getting on this call. I don't know how many times I've been on here and I'm like, what the hell are we going to talk about? Because <laughs> so we talked about a lot of different stuff. Um, I I have stuck with the same fundamentals for a long time. I guess the, the the things that come from that are are more just subtle distinctions within fundamentals about how, just how to describe and communicate different ideas to people. Because this stuff, uh, this stuff is very abstract. It's it's very difficult to explain some of these concepts to people because it's very you know some people might call it airy fairy but you can't put your hands on it you can't necessarily measure it all the time um and so it's it's hard to it's, it's hard to express some of these ideas so you know i just come up with different metaphors for for things and uh different ways to explain stuff and i think that's probably what's i would call it more refinements and it's not like i'm you know, I'm always looking for new material, um, but uh, recently I haven't come up with anything, you know, that I would say that, wow, here's a mind, mind-blowing mind new corner of the world that I've discovered. It's out there, I'm sure, I've just got to keep looking because, uh, you know, we're always, I mean, who's well, I, who's I, ever I, mastered anything, And
0: right? I apologize, I mean, I was kind of an unfair, like, oh, i am put you on, the, give me your five new fundamentals of mental performance, but, you know, you work with a lot of different players and, you know, I don't know about client privileges but there's some you know names that people would know maybe a better question is what are some of the struggles that you have found that are universal with all golfers
2: okay Okay. all right so probably probably the especially with professionals but it happens with amateurs a lot too well and just about anybody that comes to to do this work actually now that i think of it this is a good question um People people place more importance on outcome than they do on process, and I know that that's probably a, the fifteen hundredth time you guys have talked about that that concept on this show. But that's really part of one of the fundamental problems: is we we confuse things that aren't life threatening, but have a rea- we take things that aren't life threatening like golf and have a reaction to them as if they are. Yeah, because we've got the wires crossed in terms of of number one golf's importance and I don't care even if you're a professional it's like you, you have to separate what you do from how you your sense of self and I know that sounds a little goofy but um, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, John Wooden um, oh, yeah I, uh, you, guys, you guys know who he is Tim you just mentioned well the legend, like
1: you, legendary uh, college basketball coach Who? how many national championships
2: did he win 10 of uh, 12 yeah, exactly. He was in 12 and he won 10. That's ridiculous, right? Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of his definition of success. Uh, success is peace of mind attained only through self-satisfaction and knowing you made the effort to do the best of what you're capable. And people on listen my wall, to that
1: I go, Well, I'm pointing, I'm pointing it because the last time we spoke, You mentioned John Wooden, and I looked up that quote, and it's on my wall. Oh, cool. (laughs) Yeah, say it again. Uh, It's 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 amazing. amazing. No,
2: it's worth repeating, as I I have a comment about it. So say that again. Success is peace of mind attained only through self-satisfaction and knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable.
0: Right. And, And that's such an important thing to remember for all golfers, and it kind of goes into something we've been talking about that if you're looking for self-confidence from results, you're always going to be at the vagaries of the game and and emotionally riding an up and down roller coaster. If you look to process for self-confidence, there's a chance you can get that because what you're measuring your success against is your effort and your and your process versus what was the score that day.
2: Yeah. For sure. And um, so self-satisfaction and self-confidence are different. I I, see it all the time in golf. It's like, I got a lot of confidence right now and you ask why, how come? It's like, well, I'm hitting it good. Yeah. Well the the, the definition of confidence in in the dictionary is the state of being certain. You can't be certain you're going to hit it well all the time. So if you base your confidence on something you can't Mm -hmm. be certain of all the time, you are going to experience anxiety. Yeah. And so, because not only are you going to hit a bad shot, which, you know, okay, that's not desirable, but you're going to feel lousy about yourself because you've got those two, two things attached to each other. So literally detaching my sense of self from something I do, like golf's, golf's a game, it's an activity. It, and I don't care if you're professional or not, you you can separate your identity, just, just like any professional has to take their identity out of it and just say, I'm going to do everything I can for for this job I have in front of me. And that's what professionalism is, is to me, is taking the, the personal aspect out of it and saying, I, I, have, I am serving this purpose today. Whether you're a coach like, like Tim or me or a broadcaster like Hugh Howard or a doctor or a golfer, it's like I have this task that I have to do to the best of my ability. And I can't a- attach my sense of self to it. If I do, I will put myself in a compromised position emotionally.
0: Yeah. I guarantee you there are professionals listening. I'm sorry Tammy, do you want to jump in there?
1: No, I was going to say that um that focus on results, if if you just sort of go deeper and deeper with it, in essence it's about how do I stay alive? Like the brain yeah. is wired for survival. That's what it's about. That's why we're always projecting forward, you know, ruminating about the past cuz the brain is tasked with keeping us alive. So, if you're always focused on results, your brain is always going to be going, and thus your ego is like, what am I going to do to keep alive? No. And thus the anxiousness, which, you know, the feelings of fear and all this stuff and the and the thinking that goes and just perpetuates itself. So where I go with that is understanding. If I can just step out of that nonsense, and I love what you just said, if you can be professional about it. That's so cool. It's, it's, So that's basically stepping out and understanding, you know what, my survival isn't dependent on whether I can hit this 5-iron on the green or I can make this downhill sliding
0: putt. And, you know, what I was going to say to Timmy is that there are professionals listening, you know, people that are in high-level jobs, you know, whether it's a surgeon or a CEO, that cannot take their own professional job personally, but take golf very personally. You know, and I I think you've seen that. Listen, we've talked about it privately, and we've talked about it professionally. Like, you know, I have done, just in the last 11 years, almost 3,000 episodes of The Humble and Fred Show, and not one of them, not one, has made me feel anywhere near the... Shittiness or the self loathing of a bad round of golf. I mean, I have to work really hard, and it's been a process to get to where I am, which is to, you know, to. And it, I'm, it's, that's one of the reasons I reached out to you because sometimes I feel this summer I've taken some steps back. And, and it's to be ever vigilant as what you said, detaching, detaching from your sense of self uh, for a round of golf. Because like I said, you know, I, I can't tell you how many Humble and Fred shows I'm sure weren't my best. They weren't under par, but I don't I just don't take it personally because I, I guess I have a sense of equanimity within my own professional status and i wonder if others listening feel the same that they're they seem to be fine at work but golf brings out a a weird side of them
2: mm, for sure well and and so one of the uh, aspects of this and you know it, it it connects with what tim said in terms of survival um human beings are social beings um we're social social animals and part of that is survival like thousands of years ago, if you were a part of a tribe and you were exercised from the tribe, y- your life was threatened. And so there's a part of us that started to associate that to to being 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 life threatening. Now we're, you know, golf is a social game. You're, you play with other people. Other people are aware of um, your scores and and your, your performance and your behavior. And so. We go to the golf course, and you see this with a lot of juniors. I see this with really good juniors a lot they They start golf because they love it they 're you know ten, eleven twelve, and they start playing it 's cool, and they get better pretty quick and then they start getting a lot of attention at their club from both you know the older kids and some of the adults and it 's like wow you 're a pretty good little player, and there 's a lot of social reinforcement and that ends up that ends up going into feeding up that part of us that 's not necessarily you know, the ego, but it's like, Hey, I feel kind of important. And and this makes me feel comfortable and safe. And then yeah. the ego gets involved in that and take, does a double whammy and starts to go, well, I'm awesome. And then now I need golf to feel awesome. And then you start to have anxiety on the golf course because you don't feel awesome unless golf goes well, because if golf goes well, it's attached to how my, my status at this club or in the world of golf and then You know, amplify it with the fact that some of those juniors might go to college for it and the the attention that goes with that. And before you know it, it's a bit of a runaway train. And all of a sudden, it's like, now I'm desperately clinging to my game of golf, trying to perform because I have to maintain all of these social statuses that I've got built up in my mind that I didn't even deliberately produce. It just happens unconsciously. And then they have to go through the process of starting to undo that. And you know, redirect what they value literally. It's like I have to start valuing something different than these outcomes from golf. Yeah. And, mean, and, and literally, that's the challenge is just reassign valuing. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the things that I've always admired
1: about Jordan Speth. Yes, he's the greatest at talking to his golf ball and gets excited. But I've always thought, and this is just my projection, is that he is a very grounded person. He knows what's important, and I believe that in their family, it was always about taking care of his sister you know she's she's challenged, and it was always that was the most important thing in their life in their family. So when golf doesn't go so great for Jordan, my sense is that yeah, it stings. But I don't think that his self-image plummets, and he's you know on the precipice of 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 dying psychically because he's grounded, and I think that's what a lot of juniors that part gets missed. And I see it. The, my son Sean was a AAA hockey player. I saw kids. Who would like live and die with the shift they got and the shit that they would get from their dad on the way home, yep. and it happens in golf as well. So the thing that I think is often missed is, in essence, the mental health aspect of this game. Yeah, and and are we coaching kids in how to hit a hit a golf ball, but also how to stay grounded and how to how to navigate your way through. All the nonsense this game is going to throw at you. You could win a tournament. Next week, you miss the cut. You don't qualify
0: for this. If you're living and dying with all of that, that's a tough, tough road.
2: Yep. Yep.
0: I agree with you, too, Tim, about Jordan Smith. In fact, it's funny when you think about what he does after a golf shot, even before a golf shot. He's very good at verbalizing what's going on in his head but one of the things about how he talks to his ball and people make fun of it but think about what he's doing he's getting all those things that a lot of us stew and seethe about or you know we we keep inside and he's letting it go he's like oh i got caught by the wind or i hit it a bit thin whatever it is and he just gets it out and it's done i think it's actually <coughs> almost like he's I don't know, um, exercising the demon of the shot and leaving it behind because he is a very resilient golfer as well. Like, exactly. You know, think about what he went through anyways, Paulie, what do you think about what Tim said?
2: Yeah, I totally agree. Um, Reminded me, it reminded me of an interview I heard with, with, with Spieth. And then it reminded me of another interview that I'm going to talk about um, that I heard people, uh, somebody say, so with Spieth, I think he was asked, What would you give your younger self? What advice would you give your younger self now that you're on tour? This is like a year or two ago, I think the interview was. And he kind of went, huh? And he said, well, actually, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said, I'd probably take the advice of that kid to not take the game so damn seriously. Mm -hmm. And, And to me, I interpret that as I think so this is this is where it comes to the other quote so there's a, a musician named noel gallagher who is in a band called oasis who i'm quite a fan oh my of. god yep yep um and i listen to his interviews because because this, this guy is just so blatantly honest and himself every single time and i think that's incredible um and he said somebody asked about you know what's it like you've met all your heroes like he's met you know david bowie and paul mccartney and he goes you know what's been amazing about meeting all these people is that none of them have anything to prove. And he said, they all take what they do very seriously indeed, but they do not take themselves seriously at all. Yeah. And that to me, it, it, it's, it's an indication of a separating what I do from who I am.
0: Yeah, because eventually, you know, the biggest, biggest stars. And I, I've been interviewing, you know, pretty famous people like yourself for a long time. And I used to say this to people, the most famous people I've ever met or interviewed were the easiest, to get along with, they were congenial, they were whatever you need it was the, the worst ones and I won't name any names, but the worst ones were the ones that just got famous or were, you know what I mean, it was like brand yep. new and they had an entourage and they were kind of dicks and uh, you know don't look people in the eye Like, but the biggest stars always seem to have this kind of equanimity about them that they're very comfortable being who they are because they've been that for so long
2: yeah, yeah, for sure. So the, to to me again, that's that's a bit of a journey. You could call it a spiritual journey if you want, because it's about transcending the trappings of the the body and the ego, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really the work to be done. You, you know, you you can you can learn all of the things that suppress anxiety all you want, like you know breathing and all of the physical stuff that you can do to to get rid of the symptoms of anxiety. Um, I was, I was actually just talking to um, a mutual friend of the three of us. Actually, that uh, and I, he was he was saying, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, I got to keep up on the breathing. I said, that's cool and that's really good. But the, that's like if you have got a root, ru- a, a you've got a leak in the foundation of your house, and you stuff a rag in it, is that good enough, or it's still leaking, but it's better? It's like, yeah, you know, no, I want to go and you know, I want to seal the foundation up. It's like this is what you got to do. This is you got you've got to separate out, you know, this this sense of self and self satisfaction from you know, the, the, the outcomes and the, and the, and the noise in the, in the environment that comes from the game. And that's a very challenging, um, equation. It's, it's not easy work, but fundamentally it is very, very satisfying. And there's a sense of, you know, again, we're using some funny words here, but there's a peacefulness that comes with that. You know, John Wooden says, you know, success is peace of mind. And it's like, that's what we're all after anyway. Somebody who's like, they finally, you know, break 70 or, break 80 or break 90 and it's like they feel good for a while but they but that doesn't last so i think there's there's a really fundamental confusion between two words in our in our world this is joy and peace joy and joy and uh happiness so happiness is about achieving things outside of me people feel good about me i got a promotion i scored lower than i have before that makes me happy, but happiness is transient. It only it only lasts a short, certain period of time. Whereas joy is the the experience of life itself, mm-hmm. where it's like, hey, I'm enjoying being alive. I'm enjoying doing what I do. I'm enjoying the ups and downs of the experiences. I enjoy golf because it's challenging, not because I only like it because it's going my way. Right. And that's a that's a fundamentally stable way to operate. And so when someone asks about mental health. You know, in my definition, I'm not a mental health professional in that way. But someone says, "What does a mentally healthy person do?" They're they're able to experience joy regardless of the ups and downs of their situations in life.
0: Well, it's like we said that if you're looking for joy from results, this game is going to you know tear you apart. It, it it's done that to me. Like I uh, sent Tim a note. Uh, Charlie Fitz, a buddy of ours, uh, you know, uh, Doc Fitz, uh, yeah. mental guy now, and and I, he and I were talking, and I was a bit pissed off about how I was, you know, playing, and and I said to him, you know, like I, I just don't get it, blah blah blah, and he said, well, just he he reminded me that one of the things that I love about the game is working on the game. He said, don't forget that you get joy in other parts of golf that have nothing to do with what you shot that day. And then I, so I sent Tim and, and Charlie a note recently, and I said, "Well, I've put some joy back into the game, and coincidentally, you know, I had five rounds in a row that were you know pretty good golf, but it was the attitude shift from "I'm only going to be happy if I shoot this number to "I'm going to be happy because golf gives me so much joy." In other aspects that don't have to do if I shot 70 or 83, which I'm going to get to after we finish with Dooley. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, also coming up on the show, uh, Tim's got some stuff we're going to talk about. This is a great question one of his uh, his students asked him. Uh, and I also have a great hole in one story. But we're going to finish up with Dooley because he's very important. You can't take too much of his time. Um, what do you say to somebody that's suffering Because that's what people do They suffer in golf What do you want to say to somebody That is suffering and saying Oh that's great for you guys Because you all can hit a golf ball But for someone that doesn't, hasn't heard What you, want, what you talk about um, What do you say to that person That's kind of maybe in a bit of golf hell Or in a depression around the game Because people do get People suffer and they get depressed about golf
2: uh, okay. So pain and suffering <clears throat> are two different words. Um, pain is when things don't go our way in the world, right? It's painful. Um, whether it's, you know, a bad shot or, um, somebody makes fun of us or whatever, there, there's painful experiences in life. Suffering is not being able to accept the fact that life is going to to give us pain. Trying to avoid pain is suffering. Whereas accepting pain, well, you still have pain, but suffering is sustaining the pain. So, if someone hits a bad shot and they think about it for three days. They're they're producing their own pain and suffering by using their memory, and then they're resisting the fact they feel bad. And that's a that's a very difficult cycle to get out of because it, it feels like well, I have to fight against this pain. Versus, no, it's just it's just pain. So, so you, because you use the word suffering, that's why I went in this direction suffering is the resistance of pain you're not going by the very nature of golf you set up an objective to hit a hit a shot close to the hole you're not going to like it if it doesn't go there but that's part of the game and when you accept that and you don't attach your identity to it two different things that are very important then all of a sudden it's like hey this is cool now i can get into the point where i say Hey, let's see what happens next versus, yeah. oh, my God, this better be good.
0: But what yeah. you just said relates back to what we were talking about, Jordan Jordan Spieth, Suffering, If suffering is the resistance of pain, what Jordan does is he right away excises the pain by acknowledging it, yep. which is, you know, a funny thing because he does it in a way. We all we all we all do that. Oh, I, just, I that happened. I had a bad. But but we do it in a way where we perpetuate the suffering. He does it in a way where he gives it voice and then he moves on. Yeah. yeah but what he doesn't do, I don't want people to be
1: confused. What he doesn't do is explain. Oh, that didn't come out because I had a tough lie and I thought I was going to do that. No, he just kind of like, hey, ball, do this. And oh, I guess the wind knocked it down, which is a very different. Well, thing. he doesn't <laughs> whine about it. You're right. He's not a, exactly, he's not doing yeah. it in a whining fashion. Yeah, and that's so annoying when people are always... I remember that's one of the core things I learned from Ben Kern way back when. He says, never explain. If you chunk a chip and you say, well, it was sitting down, no. <laughs> Just no, I know. move on. But one of the things that, uh, Paul, you're, you're talking about is... And I think it connects to what we were talking about with Carl Morris last week, is so much of around this game is our relationship to the game and to ourselves. And and if our identity is caught up in our whether we can break eighty or not, that's a tough that that suffering, that craving, yep. that desiring, that's we're creating suffering for ourselves. And so it, it's one of the things that we also talked about um, is that in kind of the work that we do and we talk about a lot of times people mistake it around you know if i just do this thing like i said breathe i'm gonna i'm gonna connect to my breathing i'm gonna look in the trees eyes up tips up which are all it's all very good stuff but unless you have a healthy relationship to the to the game and to yourself you're gonna suffer
2: yep yep for sure and then to to howard's point someone pokes you with a pin your reaction is going to go ouch right i mean that's just that's just an expression that comes from pain and so it's like everybody thinks oh you know what i had a really good game mentally today because i didn't didn't express any anger i said were you angry inside it's like yeah i was furious but i didn't yell this time (laughs) time my club it's like oh so you got poked with a pin it still hurt but you didn't say ouch nothing has changed
0: you didn't throw a club at the pin."
2: yeah but I'm I'll, much although, better I'll, i haven't I haven't snapped any clubs yeah, but to
0: be fair to that person who I was that is step one is yeah, absolutely is learning to react to it in a way that doesn't perpetuate the cortisol the you know the freaking out and but but the true you know transcendence is to express is to acknowledge the pain and not suffer from it whole yes. after whole after whole yes
1: it's okay. To, it, it's okay to hit a shot dead left out of bounds and go, oh, fuck, and
2: wham your club down. And be that's disappointed. Yeah. disappointment exactly. is, yeah. you set yourself up for disappointment or happiness, but they're both temporary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Wow.
1: And and that's the thing um, that I think that, that in that... That drive for results, whether uh, it's to be able to finally get over a shot that someone perpetually struggles with, you know, there's people you've heard say, "I can't get out of bunkers." Well, that if and I had a situation with a, a, a fellow um, late last week. He says, "I can't get out of a bunker," and, and I said, "So what are you doing?" He says, "Well, I'm working on my technique. I can do this, do this." And I said, "How about you deliberately hit bad bunker shots?" Deliberately skull it Deliberately chunk it Be there and, and learn from that experience And find that you A. You don't die And B. You start to build up some experience About what it is that causes this to happen But if everything is Please apply this fixed Dear golf gods And please work That's a tough road mm-hmm. You're yeah. always going to be in that place of Basically suffering Yes I did it Oh I didn't do it Ugh Mm-hmm. I just don't think that's a that, that just doesn't sound like fun to me.
0: No, for sure. Is that part of your learn to skull bunker shots program that uh, people are talking about on the internet? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's like one of those uh, golf ads. You can, you can. Are you hitting good bunker shots? Well, let me tell you, friends. You sign up now and you get the boards. <laughs> like, that's Five right. iron. That's right. You'll also get my <laughs> forty-page thing. Uh, Paul Doolin, Is there anyone? Uh, is there anyone better? I say no, my friends. Doolin, it's great to see your smiling face. Just look at your phone. You just look at your phone. See if you've got some time. I just sent you a note. Um, if people are interested in what you have to say, we. Uh, I'm looking at pauldoolin.com. Do you even, is that where you want people to go? Or do you want you to, like, what would your, if you, what is your thing? You want social yeah, there's media? There's a
2: contact thing in my, uh, in my lousy website. There is a contact page. If they want to contact me, they can go there. Yeah, You're being too Here's hard. Here's for yourself. lousy websites. Yeah, it's not so bad.
0: Listen, <laughs> it's you know what it is. It's an appropriate website for a white guy in his fifties.
2: <laughs> that's exactly no social media presence right. at all. It's exactly
0: uh, the kind of website you should have. You're just it's just fine. Uh, Steve, Paul, Doolin, I'm learning
1: how we're more alike with it at every moment. That's right. Yeah,
2: call it lazy.
0: No man, listen. <laughs> Same with humble and Fred. Like we were, it was all about the website when we first started this project 11 years ago. Now I, I haven't gotten my website in like a year. Uh, Paul Doolin, thanks for uh, making time for us. Okay, and always oh, uh, fun. Thanks, and guys. Send me Great a note see back. You, see if you've got some time. Okay, we'll do. Thanks, pal. You, Tim. Uh, Polly, Paul. How about that? Suffering is the result. Is the resistance of pain. I'm going to put that on my golf ball. That's genius shit right there, people How about a little Oasis? Yeah, man I love the fact that he's an Oasis fan
2: Yeah Love that song
0: So yeah, I, uh, I, a couple weeks ago I was just uh, Descending into another Category 5 Golf storm And uh, talked to Fitzy and I, uh, I guess you and I talked, too. And I was just like, you know what? Again, he re- it was a great conversation because he just reminded me of, you know, that I, I do love golf for other reasons other than did I shoot a number? And it's different for everybody. We all have a number that we relate to as, okay, that's in my, you know, I'm okay with that number. And uh, I wasn't getting that number. Uh, as often as I wanted. I uh, know what you speak of. Yeah. And, um, usually. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Charlie and I just talked one day. We were talking about something else, and I brought up the fact that I was kind of pissed off. And, and um, one afternoon he and I spent just hitting balls together, uh, the week before the, the mid-AM. And I was, I had just a riot. And he said, it sort of reminded me of that. He said, you know, don't forget that you enjoy that part too. And I was like, yeah, I enjoyed a lot, actually. In fact, I enjoy that in some ways even more than actually playing i just enjoy the vibe of hitting a golf ball and working on my game and seeing if i can learn a certain shot or figure out why a certain shot does this and i, and I said to me you no know, it's funny i don't sometimes i lose sight of that part you know oh absolutely i mean i
1: haven't had the opportunity this year as much to do it but i remember last year a couple times just going out to blue springs say, you know, on a June or July evening at seven thirty and I'm the only guy on the upper range and the sun is slanting in and it's like, you know, this fresh turf and gleaming white golf balls. And like, wow, I get to hang out here for an hour. And just hit these different shots and try these things. I mean, it's like paradise. Yeah. And that to me is that that's wonderful. That's a wonderful stuff or just hanging out by a practice screen and trying different shots that's that's fun stuff that's that to me is as big a part of the game as you know trying to shoot a number but what i'll tell you is that i just connect so much with what you're you were talking about sort of as you say um you know golf hell 5.0 or whatever um so i've been playing very nicely and so if if I shoot another round, according to my handicap calculation, if I shoot a score like around a 76 or 77, for the first time in history, my index will drop into the fours. And I was like this close on um, on Saturday. Had a, had a nice round going, and then just chaos started to erupt.
0: <laughs>
1: and I three-putted 17. I didn't know where I exactly stood in relation to par, but, you know, it was like, as I walked off that green and going like, you you were like zero connection to that club head. You didn't even, anything at all. You weren't even present on that green. I was this close to the proverbial helicopter of the putter. (laughs) (laughs) That... F and love that.
0: Love it when like, I love it when our little when our little Timmer gets a little angry. I love it.
1: <laughs> it's not just I was me. Just like I could see it, but I went. You know what? That would be legend because oh, the yeah. guys in our group were up, you uh, down on seventeen with their arms folded, watching.
0: That's right. <laughs> and you got a just reputation. Like,
1: oh, just let that go. So it's everybody. It's like you know, Carl oh, said. Yeah, you can check out anytime. You want, but you can never leave it. I don't care who you are. This game, uh, well, no, I am going to do that stuff to myself because eh, this game's important to me, and certain things that I want, and it doesn't happen. But again, I come back to why did the why did I manage to hang on to that putter rather than propel it? Eh, it's because at the end of the day, maybe I have a, a maybe I have a
0: better relationship with the game than I sometimes display well listen um whether you're a golf spiritual leader like myself or a fellow guru like yourself listen I, i've had conversations i told you uh, kent osborne his name came up recently on the show because he was on carl's podcast but i had a conversation with kent who's become a friend of mine who's a uh, very much into the world of gratitude and spirituality around the game yeah. and he was in golf hell after both of us missed the cut in sarnia um
1: at the, Ontario, at senior the Ontario
0: Seniors. Like, you know, he was bummed out just like anyone else. So after I uh, went back onto the path of joy, because, you know, speaking of handicaps, my, my handicap had started to creep back up. My handicap, uh, my, I've had the lowest, this summer I went to a plus 0.2. I've never been, I mean, I've been close to plus on certain nines at our course. I'm a plus one, but I'd never been a actual plus zero point two and my handicap started to creep back up. At one point it was one point one and I was freaking out. <laughs> like I was getting like what? I'm not gonna be like some commoner. I'm serious.
1: Some common golf
0: person. And then I had the conversation. You know, <laughs> Lesions of I know I know I know. Guys I know I know smack themselves know. in the forehead go, what are you fucking complaining I about? I know. Like but it's listen. The same way that, you know, Eduardo Molinari, who's a plus seven. Anyway, so I have the conversation with Fitz about returning to the spiritual joy. Well, and then, of (laughs) course, you know, no coincidence. My next five rounds, the highest I shot was 75. I shot 70. By the way, after we taped our show last Wednesday with Carl, I go out on men's night and um, I shoot two under. In a tournament, like counting your score and everyone's putting out, and I, I was under par. I was under par so early in that round that it was a great uh, exercise in controlling the excitement of what was I going to shoot that day. I had two par fives in the last three holes, both of which I had 200 yards in after my tee shots and made pars on those holes. So I was kind of on course to shoot 68 or 69. Doesn't matter. Then I go into a tournament on Monday. So I have five, five rounds where I've highest I've shot is 75. And in a tournament on Monday that I really wanted to play well in, I was playing with the 2019 Senior Am uh, winner, a couple other guys that are like super good players, and I hit for the cycle. Bogey, double, triple, and quad. And shoot 83. Now, what I was most proud of is I had dinner, I drove home, and I was pretty okay with it. A little disappointed on a couple of swings I made that day. It was a course I didn't know very well. And, you know, it was a. It was just one of those days. I was 11 over par on four holes, and I was one over par on the other 15.
1: Can I just check in on
0: the uh, status of your gear? Gear was fine. Everything was fine, actually. It was crazy, actually. No
1: shafts were bent, well, no it, golf balls. No,
0: that's the weird the thing. And maybe because I had gone back to the... Uh, State of joy or attempting to be in a joyous way. Yeah, I was bummed out. I didn't want to make an eight on a par four that, you know. But here's what I was proud of I was proud that I didn't get mad. And after the hole that I made an eight on, it was a 218 yard par three into the wind. And of course, I was the fourth. To, to tee off The guy in my card is Dave Greenway He was a really good guy He's the guy that won the senior amp, But he talks a lot Even more than me And at one point So he's And we're playing a, We're playing in a tournament And we're playing a team game Against the other guys So it was a pretty fun day yeah. And uh, he starts talking to me I go Dave I just said it like this I go Dave I'm gonna need a minute <laughs> Just like that And he goes Oh okay Yeah dude I just made a quad <laughs> That's awesome uh, Yeah I just gonna I just need a second to absorb the pain of the quad. And here's what I was proud of. I get up on this 218 yard hole and I hit it to 20 feet. Like it was the best swing I made all day. And I thought, you know what? With five holes to go, I played the next five holes, one over, whatever it was. I just was able to have it, absorb it and move on. Yeah. It was a bummer for sure. Especially because I was playing so well. Um, But it was a great learning experience that uh, you know like I thought I owned golf again and uh, you know a little bit of tournament pressure and uh, there you go you know yeah well what
1: I love about what you just described of making an eight and then getting up and knocking it to 20 feet that in essence shows your groundedness you're able to have that experience and not have the melt the meltdown and go crazy i mean that's the stuff that easy justice talks about that i find is so cool is is that something happens and how do we how do we react but more i guess more to the point is you know how do we respond so we can be our best self and i loved what you did about you just said dave i need a minute because basically you just you you had the the wherewithal, to stand up for yourself and advocate and create a, a, a boundary that you just needed some time. So you know what? Can you just we just hold it there for a sec? That's great stuff and I, that's part of the game that is a hard for a lot of people is to in essence stand Stand for themselves and, and, and create something. And sometimes that's putting a boundary. Someone says, like, you know, can you not talk right now? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I will tell
1: <laughs> not you. Not everyone can do that.
0: Uh, the How Man on two occasions, one that led to the triple and one that led to the quad, is uh, I smother hooked a couple of T shots. A couple of the doubles were from pull hooks as well, so I have this PTSD about that being my yeah. big miss. And I, sc- I didn't okay, scream is overex, but I yelled "fuck," and there were several groups around, and everyone kind of looked up, and I was like, I waved at my buddy John. I'm like, yeah, that was me, that was me. <laughs> um, okay, at the end I'm of the human. show, I'm human, yeah, but I just I sort of waved, Yep, yeah, that's me. Um, I'm going to tell this great hole in one story, but after you tell, this is a great question. Somebody was at a in one of Tim's um, group uh, chats, and they asked him, "Well, there's two things we'll explore. One is what, what? How did they put it? What do you think about over the ball? I thought that was great. It's a great yeah, question. What, what am I supposed
1: to think? Yeah, about what am I supposed to think? Ball? And well, so I mean, yeah. Well, with? no, this
0: take. This is your this. Is the ball is now in here. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well. In the, um, I mean, this is part of what you and I have been talking about a, a little bit the last few podcasts, largely around, uh, say we have a good score going, and you know how how do we get it you know to the house? And I remember you saying you know you used to think or something like, like you're on the fourteenth tee and you're two under. You go, oh, I wish we could see the clubhouse.
0: <laughs> That's right. I'd look at the cl- yeah, I, I'd see the clubhouse and go, I wish this thing was over now, so I could exactly. be two under. <laughs>
1: And so not dissimilar to me, I've had some great rounds this summer. And, it's, and I started to think, how do I keep this going? Like, how not to screw it up? And so with my Golf is Life group last night, we were exploring that whole topic. And, you know, I was talking about basically we learn from our experience. And there's no there's no magic tips. I mean, just like Paul talked about, you can breathe all you want. You can, you know, eyes up, tits up. There's all these things you can do. But so much of it just has to do with experience and and awareness. And so the more times you're under par, it's like the first time you go to win a tournament, you're going to lose. It's just going to happen. You're just going to lose. But as you get more experience, you know, as you get more experience at breaking 100, and then breaking 90, and then breaking 80, etc. You start to learn more about yourself, and that's how you go forward is through that learning. And so we're talking, and this guy goes, uh, Tim, that's all great. <laughs> 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 he says, but what do I think about when I'm over the ball? <laughs> and, and what did it, you say? And I said, well, I said, and I said, there's a distinction here, and it's, and it's really subtle. I said, rather than think just observe or witness. And he goes, "Well, what do you mean?" And I said, "Well, thinking is in essence going through the the cognitive process of trying to figure shit out. You know, or I'm going to apply this fix to my game for sake of example." So when we're thinking, we're we're, we're in one of two places, either the future the past. That's the way the conscious mind works. So, if, say, you are struggling with your tee shots, and you come up and your ego goes, you're not finishing your backswing. Guy got it! So, over the ball, I'm going to focus on finishing my backswing. So, you're standing there over the ball, where's your mind? In the future. (laughs) You're thinking about finishing your backswing. So, Offish I my backswing. <laughs> and as, as we've talked about ad infinitum on this show, mm-hmm. when we're thinking about, say, moving body parts, doing things in a certain sequence, that's actually where we start. That's where we self-interfere. Yeah, of course. So I said, well, rather than think about what's going on, just observe it. Just witness it as it's happening. Just be aware of what's going on. And it took a while to kind of talk through this and I said what if you just observed say what your hands were doing as they went through the swing and what the club felt like or maybe you're looking as our, our friend uh, Ed Collin talked about you're just watching you're paying attention to the sunlight glint off a dimple or the tea tailor made. you're placing your attention somewhere but you're not thinking
0: yeah, the distinction is, it. Uh, if I may interject, the distinction is you're placing your attention somewhere that's not, what body part do I move to produce this motion? And that's where trust comes in. Excuse me for burping. Uh, that's where trust comes in because you're like, okay, I've done this so many times. You know, I, I, I can tell you that the interference on those swings that I pull hooked on Monday where I was thinking of something mechanical, I guarantee it. I wasn't thinking about how I wanted to shape the shot or, you know, I kind of, and I I thought about something that you've talked about that I think is uh, worth repeating, which is, you know, sometimes when things aren't going, you know, our way, you make a double or a triple, you're three putt something. I think, and this is what I reflected on, that I'm not conscious I'm unconscious 100% like I'm just going through like I'm not absorbing everything because there were several mistakes I made in that tournament that I make in tournaments where sometimes I just don't take in all the information That's right 100% You know fo- I had 100 I had 190 I had a 96 foot putt almost 100 feet on the fourth hole And I I walked it off because I was curious. was another long par three at Scarborough. Great golf course, by the way. Oh, yeah. Another 215, 220-yard par three. And it's downhill. So maybe plays 195. And I fatted my my shot. So I'm at the very front of the green. So, yes, I walked the length of the putt. But, you know, I'd forgotten that the greens are fast. I forgot that I hit that putt so hard I knocked it off the green. Mm. So I four-putted the hole. But... I thought about it after like I wasn't absorbed in it for real I was sort of just going through the motions I was unconscious
1: would you say that you were largely in your head yes Uh, yes exactly and so that's basically what we're talking about in terms of what are we paying attention to yeah Uh, I had a I had an example of that on uh, on Saturday Uh, I I went into the I had a bunker shot and I just wanted to make nice fall through to your target Tim and I hit this thing so nicely and it ran out 20 feet past the hole (laughs) and it went oh you didn't pay attention that when you hit the ball in the green
0: it's downhill exactly exactly
1: and then it flattens out so it's in that paying attention to what's going on rather than thinking that oh i got to keep my my right wrist hinged and i got to shift my weight or whatever that's where the self-interference happens. Yeah,
0: because what, because what it is, it's an energy. You only have, uh, like Kathy uh, Hartwood said, you only have so many energy cards to play in a round of golf. There's only so much. And in that case, you were thinking, follow through to your target. When And that what, what happened was you missed that. You only needed to just splash it out, and the, and the slope would take it down to the hole. Exactly. Um, and that happened to me on several occasions on Monday. Again, you know we're having a, it was a fun game and uh, I was with guys that I knew and I thought about it after and I'm just a, you know I like to be completely transparent um, that's the beauty of Swing Thoughts well podcast. I will tell you that a, a bunch of the guys in the field were guys that just came back from the senior Canadian senior am and I think part of me wanted to show them that I should have been there yeah, so I, I felt some one. weird little pressure like I want to win this thing so I can say you know suck it you guys had made the senior M and I didn't and instead I just you know I again I hit for the cycle I hadn't made a double bogey in a round of golf in 10 days I haven't three putted in a week I haven't made a triple bogey since Sarnia and I haven't made a quadruple bogey in a round of golf this entire year that I can remember so it was a lot to absorb for someone that went into it thinking somewhere in my subconscious I wanted to prove that I should have been there and um you know, even on my range session, I was like, "I hope you guys are seeing this because this is some beautiful shit right here." You know, <laughs> like I, I'm just going to tell you, I hit a ball pretty nicely, and I was like, "Is anyone seeing some of these shots, guys that were in Red Deer?" <laughs> then that, that wasn't me. I'm admitting it because I know golfers think this way. I mean, I of maybe course, maybe it's just we me. We all
1: do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember distinctly I, uh, playing in our our Club C. And I think I was like one over after seven or something. I remember walking down the fairway like, like this guy, these guys I'm playing with, they know this performance coach. That really <laughs> talk about that's look right. At this guy go, look at He's him go, And it's him. just, it's all this it's del- absolute delusion and and nonsense. And that's the fun part of it is 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 that you know I love the fact that afterwards <laughs> you can talk about going. Like, <laughs> yeah. Look what I was thinking. Like It's it's just such... It is really such nonsense.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. And, you know, the thing is, I, I haven't played Scarborough Golf Club in many, many years. I was looking forward to it. It's a great golf course. Tillinghast, yeah. Tillinghast design and very cool. And uh, we are yeah. playing the... It's a short course. Back tees were like 6,500 yards, and we were back there. And um, on the holes that I made those big numbers on they weren't like super hard i just made bad swings from this sort of subtle tension that yep. definitely creeps <laughs> it in it creeps into my golf swing and and again back to being conscious or unconscious you know i said to my buddy hendrik who i've mentioned a thousand times on the show but i said you know what i realize is you know i wasn't I didn't adjust. You know, golf is nothing but a game of adjustments. So after the first couple of swings that I pulled, if I had been more aware and less whatever I was, you know, I have a driver swing where I choke down on the driver. I kind of hit it like an old two wood. I just bunt it out there, two thirty five, two forty. I get it on the fairway. And why? And I was driving home, thinking to myself. Okay, buddy, after you made the triple and pull hook the drive, why were you still thinking that the super roaster was in there? Because it wasn't. I just, you know, I just should have choked down, got the silly thing on the fairway, and, you know, on on those holes that I made triple and quad on, if they'd have been bogeys, I would have shot like a 76 or 77. Would have been fine. But uh, I did that to myself because I wasn't aware. I wasn't conscious during those moments yeah
1: i i I we need to get Kent Osborne back on this show again because I loved what he talked about with Carl Morris uh, a few weeks ago in essence and I'm addressing what you're talking about, so like you said you kind of forgot mm-hmm. <laughs> you had this arrow in your quiver but yeah you sort of you forgot and i and I think that what Kent talked about and this to me this is right in line with rather than thinking about our thinking and strategies is what Kent talked about is say a ritual about as I come to the golf course you know he talks about gratitude and and, and that sort of uses that as a grounding piece but also to know like you know I'm here to, to to have some fun and you know rather than say show everybody how good I am and I deserve to be in red deer or I deserve to be you know a 4 index you know so when we have sort of the mindset that comes from I think rituals uh, or practices, if you will, we're just less prone to that, as I say, the nonsense of, oh, let me show them how good they are or "or this result will get me what I'm wanting. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and and, just, and uh, by just, the way, when, when I say that, I, I didn't realize that was going on until after it was over. I was like, oh, that maybe there was, I started thinking about it. Well, maybe there was some of that in there. Maybe I was thinking oh, yeah, I needed always, to prove something. Yeah,
1: that, that, and uh, that's totally natural
0: that, you know, afterwards you go, Oh brother! Yeah, because <laughs> I, I, I would tell that. you, like I, I had approached that round because I was playing with again some guys I know, and I and we were we're playing in a tournament with a hundred and some odd guys, but you know we're on the first tee talking about what partners we're going. Like we played a, a Nassau, we were two down automatic presses, and here's how much we're playing for, and you know it was, so there was some fun in it, yeah, and and that's why I was kind of surprised by that thing showing up because like I wasn't. I didn't think I was in my tournament, you know, super serious golfer mode. I thought I was kind of in a, a I thought I was in a lighter mood than I was. Yeah. Um, I'm about to talk about two quick things. So one of the other things that came up in Tim's group was, I think, and, and you, you sort of touched on it a little bit about finishing a, a round or finishing a good round. I just wondered if there was any other uh, thoughts about that. From your from your discussion Like I would just tell you for me My advice to myself and others If you're having a good round Don't think about finishing it Just think about the next shot Because whatever you've done To that point in the round Whether it's the first six holes Or the first 16 Whatever you've been doing that day Is obviously working So just keep relying on that Because whatever you're doing On a day where you're playing nicely Or the score is, you know, better Obviously something's happening That's you know, is sort of good. And I would just say, don't think about finishing it. I just say, think about getting to the next shot and doing the best you can on that.
1: Yeah. What what the key, one of the key things I talked about was, is that we, we, we've got it going, hitting good shots and then suddenly we become aware, oh, I'm this many over. I could break a scoring barrier. I could win. Now we're self-conscious. We're conscious right. of self, of what we're doing. And now we want to keep doing it right. So... And, and to me, again, with so many things, it just kinda of, it not just, but it uh, it's around awareness. Oh, I'm thinking about this stuff. Oh, I'm thinking about this stuff. Okay, then maybe I'll just get in a conversation about the Blue Jays trying to make the wild card, or I'm just going to look around. It's just being aware that I'm doing it, yep. and then it's easy to get out of it. But the the problem is, is that the, and the struggle with golf particularly if you're a, a, a lower handicap player like people say ignore your score well if you're three over you know you're three over <laughs> you know it's just you just know it. it it's just being
0: aware that it's going on and i feel tense and oh, okay shake it out whatever um well that's what i would say too like the like I, I knew on wednesday last week you know i was under par for most of the round like I said, I can't remember if it was after six or seven holes because it's a shotgun start. But I was two under almost, you know, within an hour and a half of playing. And, yeah, I was aware that, you know, my lowest score on that golf course, I shot at this. I shot 67. And I was thinking, OK, I got a lot of golf le- ahead of me. Who knows? I, I, I didn't think of a number. I just thought, oh, I want to keep making good swings. And, and, and who knows? But I definitely was aware with three holes to go that I needed one more birdie for 69. You know that, that's what I love that now so there's such a huge
1: difference now you're you know you've ascended you know plus handicap this year what you're talking about is the difference in the way elite players and I put you in that category and most other golfers the rest of us think and what is you get a good score going it's like oh, don't lose this. Try to preserve it. And what you just said was, how do I make another birdie? Yeah. And that's what I think elite players do. I remember Mo Norman talking about that. You got a good score going, make more birdies. Yeah, Don't lose this. And that's once you get into that mode, and, and boy, I still... Well, I, I, I still struggle with that. Well, no, but I was
0: going to say, not long ago, I was in the I'm uh, this score after fourteen, and I, I that's why I used to yep. say that I, I just wanted the round to be over. But last week, I'm like, I want more holes, I because I, and I knew my last three holes were going to include two par fives that generally, if I hit a decent tee shot, I can get on the green or around it in two. So I was thinking, okay, I got a couple more chances there. So I was thinking Not in the future so much As that I was thinking I gotta make I can make more birdies today And the fact How that, exciting that is It is exciting And the weird thing is Even though I didn't I wasn't like Oh this is gross I hate myself I was like okay <laughs> I, You know I kinda You know on the last hole I killed my drive And I was a little bit Just off the fairway And it was one of those situations Where if I had been Way off the fairway I would have had A much better lie It was in a really lush Very thick Deep rough just in that first cut and I couldn't quite get enough club on it to send it near the green and I actually hit some trees, got lucky in it and it came out at about a 60-yard pitch and I, whatever, I got on and two-putted. But I I looked at that line, I knew immediately it was going to be a tough, it was going to be tough for me to get it on the green. Now, if I had been just a titch more conscious, I might have taken a different club than I did, but the mistake I got a bit of a break hitting the trees and having it bounce out. The point, though, is I was still trying to make that score, not trying to protect the score I had.
1: Yeah. And so we're going all over the place here with recent guests. But Carl Morris talked about attitude. And that attitude that you're talking about is, man, this is fun. I love this game of golf. Let's make another birdie. Let's go. Which is so different than, can I desperately hang I on I need to, to be this? a four
0: handicap or oh, Sandy won't like me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. By the way, what did you, uh, how, so how close are you? What is your? <laughs> oh, if I shoot, it, it, well, I've
1: looked in the handicap calculations. <laughs> Have you? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. And if I get one more score, say like a 76, it's going to knock out that 80 in there. And it's There gonna, you go. Whoo, well, under- and the good
0: news is, though, because that score that you're going to knock out isn't also a low score, you do have some wiggle room. Like, you can have another 80 or 81 because it's not going to do anything to your your journey to four, let's call it. Yeah, a journey to four. All right.
1: But, uh, yeah. Um, I just remember Bob Rotella talking about, again, in, in this broad—he uh, may not have used this word, but attitude. And he talked about Chip Beck. Yeah. being just the greatest optimist he ever met. And I think Chip Beck was one of those guys who shot 59. Yes, he was. Yeah, and and he said that Chip Beck would knock a drive into the woods and go, "All right, how do we make birdie from here?" Yeah. Like what a wonderful outlook and 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 that's hard to do and some people can't grasp grasp it, but I think you more of the play of this game and you understand that that with the right attitude and, and and that those low scores will come and sometimes they'll come and you don't even expect it i remember playing with my dad in a match play event i've told this story before on this show but i playing in a match play and this is like maybe 30 years ago and we got into the clubhouse and i think he pipped me by one and we, we kind of went through the card and went hey nice playing pal you know he was like a 76 and I was like a 77 or something. Not even aware. It was all about having fun, match play with my dad. Yeah. And bonus, shoot a good score. Yeah. What was the greater gift in that? An amazing time with my father. Yes, a shot, a nice score. That, But I would say that that was sort of... Uh, I'm not sure it's the right word. Peripheral.
0: Well, no, it's like what I wrote to you the other day. I, I said, uh, and uh, I said these are the scores I've shot lately because I've adopted joy as my watch, my watchword. But I said it's almost like a happy accident that the scores have been yeah. lower. There you it's go. like exactly. an. It's almost like oh, this sort of happened anyway, but that wasn't my focus. Um, okay, I'll quickly tell this ace. Yeah, I was going to tell I'll quickly tell the story because I've told it on the Homeland Fred show. So the guy that I was playing with in my group, beside the guy that won the amateur, uh, is a guy named Bruce McEwen, was the organizer of the tournament. The guy is seventy years old. He shot seventy five that day. He's a great golfer. He's such a wow, such a fun guy to play with. And um, so we played the front nine, played the tenth, the eleventh hole at Scarborough was a it's a short little tricky thing. It was eighty one yards. And as we're waiting for the group on the green, and 81 yards is significant, I we know most people listen, I don't, I can't, it's the shortest par three I've i I've played in years. But it was cool. So we're all sitting there waiting and waiting. And and I, you know, it, it often comes up as it has this summer, as I say, you know, this would be a cool hole to get a hole in one on because you can see it. It's just right there. Bruce says. He hasn't had a hole-in-one till this summer. He got his first about a month ago. Then everyone in the group talks about all the holes-in-ones they've gotten. And then, of course, they look at me and go, how many have you had? I say, none. Everyone goes, what? How is that possible? Blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, I have to always say, but I have had an albatross. You know, I'm not a complete loser. So we're having this conversation. And I should also tell you that until 2013, I'd never seen a hole-in-one. Uh, smart brother David was the first one I'd ever seen. Uh, our buddy uh, Tim Southcott who uh, Paul Doolin uh, works with. Yeah. It's funny because Self God just sent me a message to say hi to Paul for me. I said, I already did. Second hole in one was that summer in 2013 too at Rattlesnake. Saw Tim make one. 170 yard part three. But those are the only holes in ones I've ever seen. So we're talking about this on the tee. Uh, and I go first. Another guy goes, all three of us hit the green. You know, maybe 20 feet, 15, whatever it was. Bruce gets up. One hops that bitch into the hole i was like what it was so cool because it it, it was cool because i i I said to him after i think i was the most excited guy in the group because i it's just such an elusive thing for me where everyone's high-fiving and stuff i hugged him like i i was so excited to see it and because it was 81 yards you can see it it was so close yes and um Yeah, I mean, I was just ecstatic. And then, of course, uh, a couple of holes later, I made a quad. But that's not the story. But yeah, it was great. Um, It was very exciting. And because of where the hole was, there was a couple other T and green combos near us. So everyone not only heard us, but they could see him, congratulate him. Uh, We took pictures. And it was perfect, too, because the ball mark was about a couple yards just prior to the hole. So you saw it sort of hit, skip, and go in. Oh, awesome. It was great. It was really cool. That's fun.
1: Oh, my gosh. That's so cool. So, <clears throat> I have never, other than my own hole-in-one, which I call an ace with an asterisk. Why is that? Because, well, do you remember there was kind of like this little par three beside the Skydome across from the Globe and Mail Yeah, a little par. I
0: know. I remember it. Yeah, absolutely. It was a good little course.
1: It was just a landhold thing. Yeah, um, but But they had had nice little holes there.
0: there. Yeah, and they had a
1: a media day there, and uh, I think it was an eighty-three yard hole. I hit a sand wedge and boop into the hole. So that's my ace with an asterisk. I I say that because, you know, I didn't exactly, you know, I didn't hit a three iron that I cut into the wind. Yeah, doesn't matter. (laughs) doesn't matter. I know that. Well,
0: And Bruce, like Bruce's hole in one was like a gap wedge of some kind, you know, a 54 or something. It was just cool to see it up close. So
1: that was the only hole in one I've ever seen the ball actually go in the hole. But this year, I was playing with uh, a new friend of mine this year I met at Blue Springs, Doug Rosart, great player. And we're playing number five at Blue Springs. So the tee's actually kind of down, and the green's a little bit elevated, but there's a bunker on the right side, and the pin's tucked behind there. So he hits the ball over the um, over the bunker, and we go up there, and we're looking for, hey, Doug, where's your ball? Where's your ball? And one of the and guys, he goes, I'm going to check. No way. Only one. Jesus, that's and, so cool. And it was like, so funny. And anyways, um I yelled back at Angus McLeod, who was in the group behind us, Doug made an ace. And, and Angus goes, that's the quietest hole in one <laughs> I've ever true. witnessed because there was none of that high-fiving and hugging because we didn't see the ball go in the hole.
0: It was like, hey, way to go, Doug. You know, fist bump. Yeah, yeah. Ball that is cool though like that because how many times have we been in groups where you're like I don't know where the ball is they'll check the hole and of course it's not there it's you know hidden in the fringe or something or it's gone into a sprinkler head uh, thanks to Paul Doolin uh, Tim O'Connor is available for all kinds of uh, bar mitzvahs birthday parties coaching O'Connor, <laughs> oconnorgolf.ca and of course check out the Humble and Fred show I mean just do it you know it's about time isn't it
2: uh, so We just
1: uh, housekeeping so we're not going to be doing this for at least another two weeks A couple of weeks yeah all right. Well, cool. we're getting in we, we did say a couple weeks ago we're hitting into our fall winter schedule and then we just did like two in a row but now yeah.
0: we're you're gonna you're going to have to miss it. You're going to miss us a little bit, but uh, stay strong. Yeah. Uh, swing <laughs> Thoughts Nation. Oh, and always brought to you by TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Go check it out. Make sure you get fitted uh, because that's the only way to really do enjoy the TaylorMade experience. Thank you.
1: But the horns, they blow in that sound. So...